I'm Maddie. And I am Ryan. And this is The Mutant Ages, a show where we review every adaptation of the X-Men ever, sometimes at nine in the morning, which is what we're doing right now. Sometimes at nine in the morning. Usually we record at nine in the morning now, which our past selves who recorded a little show called Insomniacs in the Morning could truly not have conceived of. <laughs> barely but managed. today we're two different people. <laughs> I can't. I was Can thinking about imagine? that today. Oh my I was like, God. wow, remember when Ryan and I could barely get our shit together by nine and frankly didn't get our shit together by nine. No, we really didn't. It was also the middle of the week. It wasn't like it was just straight up on a weekend, okay. which is when we record now. Now that everybody knows our recording schedule. Okay, but that's even more impressive. Like we're waking up early on a weekend well, yeah. voluntarily for this. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Mutant Ages. Uh, <laughs> we are watching X-Men Evolution and we are a little bit into season three and it freaking rules back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power growing us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men and the mutant brotherhood and all of their adventures all the time about this show or at least i have i'm like it's another great episode folks hope you're watching along with us but damn this show owns yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not it's also not funny anymore like it's not it's not no. a kid's well, show okay it has it it has its moments it has its moments it's certainly funny to me in a dark way because this episode <laughs> is like the episode where i was like what the fuck was Xavier doing? Like, why did he think <laughs> this was going to work out? Like, Xavier's not really in this episode until the very end, which unfortunately they find Xavier again. Womp, womp. Too bad. I know. But I don't know. Up until that, that final, final scene where they find him again, he's not in the episode. But the aftershock of his actions is like affecting every single part of the mutants getting outed. I guess we need to do previously yeah. on the X-Men because this would make oh no sense God. if this okay. were your first episode of the show, which welcome if for some reason you chose welcome, to start welcome. here. Welcome. This welcome episode is called The Stuff of Heroes and yeah. previously on the X-Men. I feel like every single time I have to do a previously on the X-Men for this show, I have to backtrack all the way to the beginning of like season the show? two. Yeah, it's like you need to like recap absolutely everything because it's like each plot point has built upon a former one, which I think might honestly have been the true problem with this show is that it's so plot based. Like I, we know that it's going to get unceremoniously canceled in season four, but like it really matters that you that you know who every character is. Well, and like it gets more complicated as it goes along because it's a very dark. Like yeah. even the first season, which we thought were was like darker than one of the we goofier expected. Seasons. It was certainly yeah, it was darker, darker than we expected. Yeah. Okay, so basically right now we're in this world where the first season was the X Men, the, the very first crew of X Men 
learning to like adapt to being mutants and being gay and they're children yes they're little children and they're being trained by professor xavier yeah and the mystique had the baby brotherhood yeah and they all worked at Bayville high and mystique was the principal to all that shit on asteroid m happened mm-hmm. and magneto pretended he was mr sinister asteroid yep. m blew up after they did the hunger games to get up there yep and then season two has been primarily focused on the kids still trying to like conceal themselves with like 10 new children which are the new mutants yeah and also xavier is the one who's been pressuring them to stay closeted like anytime the kids have wanted to be heroes like scott has had multiple plot lines where he's wanted to and then the girls had a plot line together with the bayville sirens where they were fighting crime on the streets of bayville slash new york city and sleeping with each other and at sleeping night. with each other because they're all gay like every single other character on this show and then they stopped because they were like we don't want to out ourselves because xavier has told us not to out ourselves this entire time and this episode is a really interesting conflict of those lessons where the kids are like okay so we've been outted by magneto magneto set up this absurd because it wasn't it wasn't even mystique because mystique was sort of the other opposing force for a while and mystique even in in the last couple of episodes was like i don't know what's happening and in the last episode, she was like, yeah, that was not my plan to yeah. out all of us. No, so we're she kind didn't want to do that. Like Mystique is like kind of the character who you sympathize with at this point, or at least if you're me, you do. Um, because she doesn't trust Xavier or Magneto, who on this show, Magneto is not the, the one to trust. So Magneto has his own version of the Brotherhood that we're just calling the Nasty Boys at this point. No, they're, so they're actually the Acolytes. I looked it up. Okay, yeah, you're right. They are the Acolytes. So like that's Pietro, Gambit, Colossus, and... Um, who am I forgetting? Pyro. Pyro, right. Pyro hasn't been depicted for a while because Storm killed him in cold blood. So like, Are we missing somebody? Yeah, you said them all. Gambit, Colossus, Pyro. Pietro. Quicksilver. There's a fourth. I said Quicksilver. There's a fourth one. Who's oh, the fourth Sabretooth? one? Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Yeah. Okay, wait, where did he go though? He's like not I here anymore. No, Pyro and Sabretooth are fucking somewhere. They're gone. Um, anyway, uh, I don't know why I'm talking about that. They're in this episode for like one second. And I'm like, it's important that I list every accolade character. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, they're, they're there. Okay. So also, <laughs> okay. So like, here's, a, here's the important stuff. So the end of season two wraps into season three and the, yes. it's kind of like a seven episode arc really mm-hmm. in which Mystique brought in Scarlet Witch yep. to who was locked up in asylum by Magneto that Xavier was torturing in his fear of free time, which is yes. incredibly fucked up. So Wanda... So, like, Magneto and Xavier have both been torturing Wanda for years and we're, like, supposed to like one of those two characters. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Mystique frees her. She joins the Brotherhood. And so now the X-Men can't find the fight the Brotherhood. And also, during that time, Mystique replaced Xavier as Xavier. So yes. she locked him up somewhere, which we find out where in this episode. And so she's been posing as Xavier and making the X-Men the Brotherhood fight each other and then also work together Mm -hmm. and then she's basically trying to figure out what's going on with Magneto because she thinks Magneto's up to something which he was yes but at the same time Bolivar Trask was developing the Sentinels to kill mutants and so he had kidnapped Logan to essentially like test the Sentinel on like Logan actually dies on this show which was pretty intense to watch Mm -hmm. and then Magneto exposed the robot fighting the the x-men which the news saw and then they outed the x-men 
And then the world started freaking out yes. because they have not dealt with any superpower people with the exception of maybe the Avengers. We're not really sure. It's questionable what's going on with them. Yeah, other than like Captain America in the past and like World War II, which I guess people were fine with, but they're not fine with the X-Men, which makes sense. I mean, it's scary, right, exactly. I Exactly. And so there's like this big fight. We think Magneto dies. Wanda wants to figure it out. In the last episode, when we started the new season, yep. Mystique revealed that she had this really kind of crazy plan. It was really, it was really well developed by Mystique. Mm -hmm. I don't know. She's like 20 steps ahead of everyone. And so anyway, so she's like forced herself to work with the X-Men holding the fact that she knew where Xavier was because she hit him somewhere and yep. that she would give him back to the X-Men if they worked with her. She also wanted to get back some of the members of her team, like Fred, who had been kidnapped. And the X-Men were also missing team members that the government had also taken. Mm -hmm. but before anyone could do anything about that, a bunch of cops and the army showed up and just immediately tried to kill a bunch of children. Yep. And that's going to continue happening, by the way. Oh, like, also, Xavier's Mansion blew up. Mystique, yes, blew, Mystique up. blew it up, which maybe wasn't cool because there were some children left inside there. I, I, but you we know what? Gonna... Watching this episode where they're investigating all the ruins of the mansion, I'm like Mystique should have done a better job blowing it up because like I think she tried her best I mean it's not like she designed the mansion and like okay, knew exactly like, I'm with her at this point because if you had completely destroyed the entire mansion then mutants don't appear to be as much of a threat anymore because the entire mansion is full of weapons which we're gonna get to in the first scene of this right, episode and I, think, I think I mean your theory about Mystique trying to cover up what Xavier was doing was not the wrong I, th I think I'm right about that because yeah, I think that's what she was doing and I, I think the kids might have been collateral. It, it endangers absolutely everybody. Like, yeah, the kids were collateral, which is not ideal, but it's like, I think Mystique just assumed they would get out because it's Mystique and she doesn't really care that much. But also she just was like, I need to destroy the mansion. Like, this is this is such a smoking gun. Right, because it would turn around and be really bad for them, which she was right. Yeah, which it is. It by is, the way. by the way. Which we're going to find out. Uh, okay, so other things that happened in that last episode is that Cyclops... Then trapped Mystique oh on a base in order to God. get Xavier, find out where Xavier was, and he locked her in there as if she's not going to morph into somebody else and be like, they went out that way. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, Cyclops is a fucking dumbass, and he like basically does this power play with Mystique, which never do a power play with Mystique. Oh, people. yeah, don't do never not do, do it do because that. in two episodes from now, she like shows up to torture and kill him, like, which is deserved because like <laughs> too big for your britches, Scott. I don't know why you thought this was going to work. There's no way you can go toe to toe with Mystique on a plan no. ever like never so now that. all the x-men are on the run and storm is basically at the forefront and all of them Iceman's yep. just a main character now yeah, like they're he just is one of the quietly letting iceman be one of the main x-men and like all the new mutants we actually don't really see them that much in this episode um no we don't really know what happens with them in the warlock sewers they never dive into that yeah which is interesting i think they will later i mean you remember that they do later so we'll just get back well, yeah, to i know that. that the warlocks come back a couple times but that's not important for this episode so, i mean that's basically it's like now they're on the run people know who the mutants are the military's after anybody that is a mutant people are being told stay inside there's like an awful lot of shots of white people running away with their families in yep. this like you don't see it with any people of color it's literally just white people which I was really a choice think i mean i brought up the post 9 11 xenophobia fear and i feel like that is a huge part of this i feel like the fact that storm is the one that goes to congress to talk to them along with beast 
like the fact that it's a black woman, I just was like, this is really like laying on more of a civil rights metaphor as opposed to a gay rights metaphor, which is I like think it's all the above. It's just another metaphor. Yeah, I feel like I it's, it's all just part of it. it all up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I just it just really reminded me of the way that people were talking during this time period. Yes, I was gonna say that another important piece that I want to mention from previously on the X-Men is that Beast's whole arc in season two is that he mm. hated himself so much that he tried mutating the genes out of him, yep. which is a classic Beast plot line. Yep. Then he turned into the Beast, went crazy, and so he joined the X-Men where he can't leave the house and he's sad and he hates himself and he spends all of season two hating himself and yep. it's like the kids that working with the kids and teaching these young other queer kids and mutants that it's okay to be gay. And yeah. Mutants. And like, they don't hate themselves. They have different non-normative bodies and like, that's yes. okay with them. And be sort of comes to realize like by learning from younger queer kids who've accepted themselves, he comes to a state of acceptance, kind of. This episode is very interesting for Beast, actually, because well, this that's, is... That's why I brought it up. It's like, because he goes with Storm to this hearing yeah. and he presents himself as a mutant. And like, this is his first time appearing in public as a mutant, as an out mutant, which is, it's interesting. That's why I thought it was really important that I think that his arc led him to this. Yeah, definitely. There's moments in here where Storm is like about to like go rip shit on people. <laughs> yeah, and it's you Beast really is like, can't blame her, honestly. Like, Oh no, and the Beast is like the one calming her down. Yeah, well, I mean Beast is also like the more conservative of the two of them, which makes sense given his backstory, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. it's just interesting. I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it. So we let's, let's okay, so get we're here. We're episode. here. We're here. Okay, so- Ten minutes later, we managed to recap cap all of the show up to this point oh my god but it's like actually necessary this is not excellent in the animated series where like you know they'd have story arcs it'd be like this two-parter is here but it was kind of like a series of one shots it yeah, doesn't really it- matter like where it connects to oh god it's gonna become a pain in the ass to do wolverine and the x-men Ugh. oh my god all right anyway all right so we see the flashback of all the fucked up shit that's happened so far yeah and it opens up with some detectives investigating the x mansion i think they're in the danger room some part of it yes they're in one of the sub basements right and everyone's like what the fuck is this okay it's really funny because all the government workers are looking at a bunch of buzz saws and we're constantly talking about buzz saws on this podcast because xavier has so many fucking buzz saws and they're just like staring at them and they're like why are they here? Like, why are these fucking buzzsaws here? And like, one of the other guys just shrugs. And I was like laughing out loud at this. Like, it's not supposed to be funny, but I was like, Xavier, why did you fill your basement with buzzsaws? Or like, guns? why did you think this was going to work out fine? Like, dude. So anyway, <laughs> all the government guys are like, I guess the mutants were training in their sub basement to kill us because that's what it looks like. That's exactly what it looks I like. Know. And if he didn't have, there's no necessary, like, why did he have so many guns? I like, don't he know. did not need guns in the living room. It feels like Xavier really wanted to have his cake and eat it too when it came to, like, being the conflict to Magneto's views, because Magneto's basically like, it's only a matter of time before the humans kill us. And Xavier's like, no, it's not. We just need to work with them. But then also at the same time, he's like, by the way, we need to be training to kill question mark. He's like, just in case our powers don't work against people who may kill us, we've got guns. And it's like, Xavier... Yeah, it's like, dude... Okay, in a way, it almost... Okay, you know how we always talk about how that metaphor of, like, queer people... It's like, okay, the the queer metaphor works for the X-Men until you're like, queer people are also a gun. Yes. Which I guess, in a way, we can think about, like, how they considered us diseased for a very long time. Yes, I think that that is part of it, absolutely. But, like, also, I think this also shows that Xavier, while he does want to bring in all these like queer mutant children yep. and he's like i want to give them a place to live yeah he does in a way 
like he sees mutants as weapons, yes, you know, which know. Magneto does not see people as he does see them as people that can fight, but he's doing it from like a point where he's like, okay, you need to learn how to use your powers so you can like fight against the people who are hurting you. He's more tactical about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, but see, Magneto also wants them to like be weapons, but in a way where he wants it to be their choice, basically, where he wants them to find the same piece of themselves that he found in himself to rise up against the system and fight. That's what he wants. I mean, I think this show is not quite that kind to Magneto, though. I feel like Magneto is more just trying to create an army of a different kind, but yeah. I'm saying for the fact that Xavier's always had guns in every sort of incarnation he has. He's like, I have weapons in addition to the X-Men because like... I don't know. I'm a rich white guy who loves his guns. I mean, I think that's part of it. And it's also Xavier being like, I need to train the X-Men to fight against weapons because he again, like Magneto, assumes that eventually guns will be turned on his X-Men. And so it's like, I mean, okay, so to be fair, all the adults on the show, I mean, Logan has the same sort of analogy in this also. Logan's plot line is fascinating we gotta get to it okay so okay, okay. So, so anyway so now, they see the buzz saws reporter, yeah right? so there's a news reporter okay. she's outside the yellow tape with her cameraman um and she's like getting up close to the line and she's talking to the soldiers who are like standing outside the expansion and she's like it's margot yale from the gargoyles just creating another sure, problem sure 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 so she's like excuse me have you uncovered any new evidence that the mutants are a threat and then like a ton of xavier's guns pop out of the lawn and everybody starts screaming and i was just broke down <laughs> xavier this really doesn't look good like dude whatever and so oh the, my the, God. the reporter turns to her cameraman and she's like i think we have our answer frank and it's like oh god xavier why'd you do this i, I know xavier again we we've just spent so much time on this so we don't need to talk I, about xavier well, that's kind of the whole episode but whatever i okay. know but like i mean <laughs> i mean the gun part we don't need to revisit the guns yeah so then we go back to the main the main news broadcast um, right And the main newscaster is describing the situation. And he's like, the authorities are continuing their search throughout Bayville, seeking both known mutants and those yet to be revealed. And then we see a shot of a guy in a hazmat suit going through the Brotherhood Mansion, one of the few comedy beats where he finds a pair of Fred's boxers with hearts all over them. There's a fly buzzing around it, which I just interpreted as like, Fred and Toad are sleeping together. That was how I read this scene. (laughs) Um, It's cute. Uh, So then the news broadcast shows photos of X-Men and says their full names again, which like, this is like, I don't know. This is it, like a flashback to the 90s. It's I'm a not flashback even to like, the 80s. It is, but it also, again, reminded me of post 9-11 stuff where like people would be accused of terrorism on basically no evidence. Oh, and, that's like, a good point. Okay, I, I was sitting here, I was thinking more of like Stonewall. Yeah, I mean, Stonewall. I mean, cops have been against queer people for years and years as well. Like it's, I don't know, police brutality, terrible. Anyway, so the newscaster is like, despite their fearsome powers, most mutants look like normal citizens. And they show a shot of Nightcrawler which it is important here that they only have a shot of him in his blue form because later right. on in the show, Kurt is going to stay closeted. Right. Um, so for now though, they only know what Nightcrawler looks like when he's blue. So that is kind of important. And then they show a shot of rogue and then we get a cut over to rogue who's in a convenience store with Logan. She's watching the news. They're like in this convenience store in the middle of the woods. Yes. I don't know where it's like a gas station. That's kind of how I, I read it. I don't even know because like it's literally in the middle of the woods and they're like, 
oh yeah they're right outside of bayville and i was like in the woods yeah upstate new york gas station is how i interpreted this i like, don't know where the fuck they are anymore yeah I don't it know. doesn't really matter so it, do, it does not matter but rogue's watching the news broadcast in that convenience store and she's looking at them and she's what did she <sighs> say she says oh i look fat which is like such a teenage girl like anxiety i moment. know she and she turns to logan and she's like do i look like that to you and logan's like dude shut up we're trying to keep a low profile <laughs> like what logan are you didn't doing? even answer the question or engage he was just like this is not important like your teenage <laughs> bullshit no longer the plot of the show which he's not wrong yeah i know i wrong. know and then she's like well i'm not buying these cupcakes and i was like wait what are they buying though they have like a know. few things it's like they're on the run and like logan's holding like a, milk? a thing of milk yeah <laughs> i was like logan's just drinking milk and eating beef jerky okay can we talk about their outfits for a second this is gonna this I episode's them, gonna though. be a thousand years long but we need to talk about their outfits okay so here's what logan's wearing well, rogue's dressed like gambit we can do rogue first rogue is wearing a long trench coat she's obviously wearing her regular clothes underneath it so she has her huge shit kicker boots under the trench coat she looks incredible logan is wearing like a skin tight black bodysuit. Oh, yeah. Gay. Yeah. Leather jacket over the bodysuit. Gay. Huge knee high shit kicker boots and then a black cowboy hat. I was like, gay. Logan, you are going to the gay bar. Gay bar. <laughs> like, oh my God. I love it. I love uh, well, it. It's, it's good for this. Um, so it doesn't great. last very long, though, for them to go shopping. Yeah, because we're in a police state now. So the army is just going yeah. door to door looking for mutants with machine guns. Like, that is what is happening I mean, here. Is it the army? I can't. I guess it is. Yeah, but it is because remember, like later they they uh, throw one of the army guys outside and they see the like army truck with all the other guys inside. Remember that part with like it's like right. a jeep like full of army guys. Oh, like, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's just. It gets, I mean, it's like the army. It's cops. It's yeah. I mean, it's basically well, they, like I, just, I feel like there's a distinct difference between like the army and cops that will chase people and shoot them down because I feel like the army is like okay, this is where you're gonna go do, but oftentimes at least from the veterans I know, they disagree with what they're being told to do, but right. they do it anyway. Whereas a cop is just doing it because they want to do it. Yeah, I mean, cops are white supremacists who signed up for that shit anyway. Right. Um, that's fine. Uh, so anyway, the soldiers break in and they see Rogue and they're like, you, hold on. And I was like, Rogue, why didn't you wear a fucking hat? Like, your hair is so distinctive and so noticeable. I don't think they have time. I don't know where she even got the trench coat from, honestly. Good it's point. It's cloaky, honestly. Yeah, it's cloaky. And so then Rogue goes, uh-oh, and starts running to the back of the store because there's nowhere to go. Um, and a soldier right. fires a taser. Logan pops his claws. We get the intro after this point. It's a dramatic break to the intro of the show. Well, Logan actually saves Rogue in this. Well, she doesn't. I think she would have been fine. But I think Logan, of course, is Logan. He's like, he jumped out, grabbed her, and yeah. they both dodged behind some. Some displays. Yeah. By the way, this is not like. The sound and the color of this episode is very dark. Yep. The music here is like it's it's creepy. The music in this this entire episode is very underlying scary. Yeah. Cause like the next thing that happens is that somehow the fire it triggers the fire. Okay, so what is it called? I, I think that maybe Logan and Rogue used some type of smoke bomb to set off the sprinkler system because... Oh, no, it wasn't them. It was the army. They threw in the smoke bomb. It could be, but but I don't think so. I think it's Logan. I know they don't show it, but like it benefits Logan and Rogue to have a smoke bomb for visibility reasons. It doesn't benefit the army. I don't know. But by the way, the clerk has just been standing there watching this whole thing. It's really funny. There's like one shot and he doesn't even look surprised. He looks kind of stoned. I mean, the clerk has probably seen it all before at this point. Like people are just getting murdered every day and he's like, <laughs> it's another day in my store. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, the clerk is going to be fine. He's not important to the story. So no. this entire store becomes a war zone at this point. Right. It's Call of Duty now. Yeah, it's a it's a literal Call of Duty level where the soldiers are like walking around trying to find Rogue and Logan who are like strafing around the store avoiding them. The only way that they can attack them because this is a children's show is Logan like throwing cans of exploded soda at them, which is like really funny because I'm like, can they I know. can't show Logan murdering these people. So they need right. him to I know. Like, Cause if it were the actual X-Men comic books, he soda. would just like, <laughs> he, they would both kill people. It's looking at rogue. I know. Anyway, so the sprinkler is now going off. It's yep. playing this like really sad, morose yeah, music. Yeah. And like, they're looking at each other, trying to signal at them what to do. And basically Logan and rogue get out of it by Logan throwing an exploded can of whipped cream at one soldier who acts as though it's a grenade that's murdering him, which like it may as well be. And I think that was the idea. Like yeah. rogue screams Logan. She throws him the whipped cream and he makes it look like a bomb is about to go in their face because he's thrown a can at them that he's slashed so it explodes. So it gives them the illusion that like there is a grenade being thrown at them. Yeah, or like a Molotov or something. And then Rogue throws a bunch of newspapers that say like, you know, mutant menace on them or whatever in their faces to distract them and runs out the door to Logan's motorcycle, which she quickly turns on. I I actually really love that tactic that she used there. Yeah, because they don't have any weapons. So they're literally just throwing what they have. I also feel like, I feel like this is something that Mystique trained Rogue to do. Yeah, like, I feel like Rogue fights like Mystique does. Like she's very smart. Yeah, it's cool. And so then Logan like scratches a hole in the wall so that like they can get out and <laughs> Rogue like drives the motorcycle through the entire wall and it's badass. I, I, it's pretty great. I love that whole scene. I also have a note here that says Rogue is dressed like Steph in high school. Comma, yes. Again. Yes. Let's yes, see. The, the, so now the soldiers call in for air support. So now there's helicopters chasing them. Yeah, because they're driving the motorcycle through the woods. But we'll get back to them in a second. We'll yeah. Yeah. Because first, it turns out the news is also they somehow got access to the security footage from this convenience store. Yeah, I guess the guy who worked there maybe gave it to them and got a payout for that. The government walked in and was like, give us that tape. Could be. But why would the government give it to the reporters? I think it has to be the clerk. That's that's a good point. You're right. You're right. So now we see that they are being seen by the entire world. Yeah. So like Logan's face is shown on the news. I mean, it's like, it's not good. It's not good. No, it's not. I love this whole scene though, because I thought this guy was Trask at first, but it's not. It's just some other chairman that kind of looks like Trask. Yeah. So it's like a congressman who's the chairman of this hearing. And he, he is giving a speech to the rest of these Congress people. And I don't really know who they are. They aren't important. Um, so so the chairman is like, I say to you, these mutants are concealed weapons of the most dangerous sort. And then he's interrupted by Storm and Beast, who dramatically throw open the doors. It's so good. I love this shot of Storm like blowing the doors open and she looks pissed. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God. And she looks gorgeous, by the way. Her outfit is like a long green, like formal trench coat with like a yellow shirt and brown skirt underneath. It's gorgeous. I mean, I'm glad it's Storm who gets to go do this because typically in these X-Men adaptions, they're always like, they send Jean in. Yeah, it's usually Jean and Xavier who go in. Obviously, Xavier can't be there. This is like the more Storm has gotten to do on this show. Yeah, and it's also like more of an anti-racist message to like have Storm and Beast there because Beast is usually like representative of like um, people who look different or like are perceived as different. And then Storm is obviously like a literal black woman who's also queer. Well, I mean, that's why I love that. And her actual line is 
They're like, who the fuck are you? And she goes, we are mutants. And this witch hunt is going to stop now. Yeah, I love her. I love Storm. I'm glad that she actually gets to do something for like a little bit in this episode. Me too. Me too. Okay, so then we have this other situation where Juggernaut is just chilling on a train. Like he's literally just chilling. He does. He's not bothering anyone. It's true. He got on this train. He is not. Juggernaut, you know, free Juggernaut. He never did anything wrong. Just kidding. He's about to do 16 more things wrong. But well, I think I think he was like a stowaway on this train. I don't even know why he was a stowaway on this train because they're like, there's a guy who snuck on his train. I'm like, what is this? The fucking 1940s? Like, what? What do you mean? There's a stowaway on the train? Like, just leave it alone. I don't know. Also, what is this train full of hay? What what is this? It's just like a train that's transporting goods from one side of the country to another. But like, I mean, you're making a really good point, which is that like Juggernaut was set free. I mean, we know Mystique set him free. We we can we can easily guess that even though the show doesn't hasn't told us that yet the viewer can guess that right and he is just straight up chilling he is not attacking anybody he hasn't been doing anything this whole time he's just been wandering the world and like not killing people right like they antagonize him anyway it doesn't matter i don't know why i'm defending juggernaut but but whatever they do antagonize him and they're like this one cop is there and he's like all right get off and yeah. juggernaut goes fine and he jumps through the train roof and he goes i'm the juggernaut bitch, bitch. and then he walks away and they're I like mean, he basically does because he literally just says i'm the juggernaut dot 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 bye and it's yeah. like okay they can't say bitch on the show that's why that's not even here yeah and so he just stomps away and the cop's like better call the sheriff we've got a mutant on our hands which basically means that they're going to try to kill him and he did nothing he did nothing okay but this he he, i mean he broke the train and that's about it but well they because they kicked him off the train why yeah but i I think you're right about this whole xenophobia thing because yep it's like now everyone everyone's like oh it's a mutant we gotta fucking kill him and i do remember like that's what how they were treating muslims in like 2000 or whatever it's basically like anybody who's suddenly perceived like their marginalized class is just coded as criminal now and like that's how mutants are living now and it's like okie dokie that's fun yep so juggernaut is going to be facing off against the cops but he is a match for them so he's gonna be just fine i mean he is the juggernaut comma bitch okay so now we're gonna go to this cave where we see the X helicopter has been hidden in the woods. Have you already forgotten? It's called the Velocity. The Velocity. <laughs> the I velocity. did. I, for, I totally forgot. Ah. So then it's like Scott and Gene. Ha- they actually do have a conversation here that I like. Yeah. Like, I yeah. feel like it's very. I feel like it's very them. I f- it is. Like even Gene sounds like comic book Gene here. I know. So Jean walks up to Scott at the edge of the cave and she's like, Spike's trying to get his little TV working. Scott's brooding, by the way. And Scott is like, so same things on every channel, us. And Jean is like, maybe they're showing the hearings. I want to see Storm and Beast. And Scott is like, I'll tell you how they're doing. Terrible. I mean, who's going to listen to them anyway? Everyone's already made up their minds about us. And Jean's like, would you stop already? It's not like we didn't expect this. Your sulking isn't helping. And she like starts to walk away. And Scott is like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I like that line for Jean, though, where she's like, it's not like we weren't expecting them to like have this kind of reaction. She's like, you know, we're gay. Yeah. And it's also like, stop fucking complaining and like ignoring all of this. Like you're just sulking and like not helping anybody right now. I mean, like if Mystique were here, she'd been like, here, Jean, can you lead the team? Yeah, I know. Whatever. I like I like how Jean's in charge. It's like Jean or Emma or storm or kitty that's it uh nobody else counts uh, <laughs> unfortunately scott is in charge right scott is apologetic and he's like i just wish we could be looking for the professor instead of hiding and gene consoles him and scott's like why hasn't he used his telepathy to find us and gene's like i'm sure he's not dead and they like 
almost make out for a second and then Kurt bamps in between them quickly and like breaks right. them up, which is like, okay, Kurt, jealous much? Well, he's trying to get the little TV to work. I know. Nominally, he's trying to get the little TV okay. to work. Just so you know, I think Kurt and Scott are still fucking because yes. in the next episode, they are sharing a room together and Scott leaves the room with Nightcar, but he's covered in Kurt's fur. Mm-hmm. Well, how else does that happen unless they're like, you're in the same bed as each other? Unless Kurt's just shedding all over the place i don't know i mean he probably is shedding all over the place but also they're sleeping together separate from that wait so i also want to point out that amidst all this scott is still obsessed with his daddy he's like obsessed with xavier I and like, everyone's, like gene is like we'll find him but that's not really even what we should be worried about right now in this moment and scott's like but what about the professor and like really he's the only one stuck on that the rest of them are like okay we need somebody to lead us anyone up to do that yeah scott (laughs) yeah i know and scott just can't let it go and he's so emotional anyway so kurt has been bamfing around the cave trying to find a place with reception for the tv and eventually he like finds it by accident hanging upside down from the ceiling and like holding the tv out at an angle and evan is like perfect stay exactly (laughs) like that and kurt is like oh my god are you fucking kidding me but luckily kitty has an idea she's like i got this she takes the little tv she holds it up she's like bobby help me out and so bobby freezes her and she steps out of it so it's just like this frozen statue of kitty holding the tv up for them so they could all watch it it's pretty then they all crowd around this tiny tv because i don't i mean like it's basically like a smaller version of the iPhone. It so looks I know like that we game watch Boy. everything. I feel like we've seen Evan with it in the past and we thought it was a Game Boy, but it's actually not a Game Boy. It's like a tiny television. It is a little TV. Okay, so back in the like late 90s, early 2000s, we had portable TVs that were, they could only pick up stations that you could get through an antenna. It wasn't yep. like cable or now where we could obviously stream something. This is for our younger listeners that may <laughs> have not ever seen one of these before. Yeah, and don't understand how analog like... Uh, but uh, it's funny that they chose to have that piece of technology on here even though the rest of the time they've had like paintings turning into monitors that were star trek and like the streaming yeah, technology I, mean, I think they're just showing like they are in the woods right now like they are on the run they do not have yeah. access to all of the technology that they once had like they literally just have this tiny little tv like, i mean that's so, and so kind of, i guess this is all like technology that xavier has invented and now they don't have that anymore and they have the regular technology that everyone else has i don't know i feel like telling any story now and I think this is why we do a lot of TV shows that are set in, you know, the 80s or the 90s, because it's actually easier to tell a story that doesn't involve cell phones. Like, yeah. The idea even of like a horror movie of somebody chasing after you and being like, I can't get away. It's like, OK, well, you got a phone. Yeah. We all know that there's like a special 911 app at this point. So so it's like now they have to be like, oh, my phone doesn't have any signal. Yeah, right. In a way that it is kind of weird to watch a show that is. 20 years ago and they didn't have that technology except for that imaginary fantasy technology that they had invented for Xavier to have and now now they have what we all had yeah. I'm sorry it was just like it was like a weird thing that came to my brain right now I'm oh, like that's yeah. actually really I mean, interesting it is, it is a big difference is that the fact that there isn't the internet and I was thinking about that with regard to like this hearing and I was like oh yeah like you wouldn't know it was happening if you couldn't watch it on TV like that was the only way to find out that oftentimes it would make it hard for you to find that kind of information like yep. be like now we have Twitter which blows up faster than the news can even try and cover it up yeah we were living in a world of social media like everybody would know about this although i am excited to see what they do with the mcu if like they're like 
social media blast mutants are here like how people react to that Mm -hmm. that i mean there would be a ton of misinformation too because like we deal with that now with social media where people are constantly spreading misinformation as well so like well i mean there's so many trolls up there too so anyway okay so now they're all trying to like crowd around this little tv and there's not enough room and kitty like phases through kurt and she's like perfect and kurt's like excuse me like she's like halfway through his body standing in front of him basically and it's really funny it's still blocking him and also i one of the things one of the things that this show does very well is understanding kitty and kurt's friendship which in the comic books it did start off as like kurt trying to like hit on her and kitty was like not interested and they just became best friends i mean and this that's show what has this show did that. yeah this show did basically oh, I know. The exact and they same just, thing. it really understands their friendship very 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 well and so i love it mm-hmm. so so then do you like this part where bobby like creates a full speaker system and television out of ice and it makes no sense and you need to just not think about it that hard <laughs> i know i had to, i was like watching this and the first thing i thought was Maddie's going to have a lot of questions about this TV setup. Yeah, this doesn't make any fucking sense. But like Bobby just creates something that somehow broadcasts all of the everything onto like a huge screen. I don't know. He like iced together a magnifying glass. I'm not sure. Okay, so like I buy the magnifying glass, but then also the volume of the TV is suddenly like crisp and clear and they're like watching the hearings and they can hear and see everything. It could work if he it would work if he designed it differently from how he did on this show. Because like it's it's just a glass screen you put in front of it but i do know it's like if you if he had carved out a giant bowl and put it in that in there it would have made it yeah louder. and then that reflected like the sound right. i mean it doesn't but actually that's not matter. what happens don't worry about so, it no we're, okay this is stuff that only you and i get stuck on so anyway so they're watching this and storm is here and she's talking and she goes we mutants have lived among you for years without incident why do you persecute us now we are peaceful and the dude is like peaceful or just biding your time from what we've discovered at the xavier institute it seems you've been preparing for war and he holds up the danger room photo and then all the x-men are like well fuck like <laughs> it's also like what did you think was gonna happen like i mean i i really buy this idea that mystique blew up the place because she knew that this would happen she was like okay if they find this they're just going to immediately make our lives a thousand times worse yeah and a thousand she times was worse. completely right like Oh, I don't even know. It's it's so stupid. So there's really nothing that Storm and Beast could say to this, but we we move away. We go to see Rogue and Logan for a second. So they're on the motorcycle in the woods. There's helicopters following them. Rogue drives the motorcycle over a tree that collapsed, and that would absolutely not work, but that's fine. Um, Logan is obsessing about the motorcycle throughout Rogue doing this absurd drive and is like, I know. watch the paint, and it's really funny. I know, well, that's because it gets scratched by a, a branch. Yep. He's like, watch the paint, and Rogue's like, duck, and he's like, what? And Logan gets hit by a tree branch, and Rogue's like, would you relax? I know how to ride. He's like, I'm taking it from here, but then a bunch of helicopters show up, and she's like, nope, hang on, I'm shifting it onto overdrive, and Logan's literally hanging on like a cartoon character yeah it's from the like back of the these motorcycle. are some of the few comedy beats that happen is like rogues driving logan's bike yeah i love i really enjoy that logan really i love logan so much and i love that logan is like so liberal and such a badass but like also something i love about logan is that he's like not the smartest crayon in the box like, <laughs> i know i know like the thing he's worried about here is like the paint and they're being shot at and like rogues like duck she tells him to duck and logan to like where's the duck i don't see any ducks <laughs> i see some geese over there it's like no logan what what are you doing yeah like duck from the branch that's about to hit you in the face dude like how do you not know what the word duck means <laughs> 
don't know. Like this is Logan. He like really he like as I said, is he's dumb. He's, he's wonderfully he's dumb. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. He's a great fighter. He's very supportive and loving of his friends. He's very liberal. But then it's like <laughs> it's like he does shit like that. You're like, Logan, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't know. I know. Anyway. So that's that scene. <laughs> Back to the debates. <laughs> yeah. So Beast is defending himself and clearly they've moved on to a different topic, which this is the Sentinel robot. And Beast is like, the Sentinel attacked us. We had no choice but to defend ourselves. And the congressman is like, how do we know you didn't build the robot yourselves? And Storm's like, that's ridiculous. And the congressman is like, you built it. You couldn't control it. And you endangered innocent lives. And like, I kind of get why he thinks that because he found all of this absurd technology at the Xavier Institute. So now the humans are just like, I guess yeah. mutants have access to crazy technology because they do. And also, we don't know what they're capable of. Maybe they built this huge robot using something, mutant powers. We don't understand it. And like, right. then they endangered a bunch of human lives. Like, I don't know. I mean... They they haven't yet figured out that it was Trask all along, but um, well, I mean they, they do figure that out eventually. But it's I don't know how they figured it out. We just that's kind of like side yeah. They just kind the of skip later. over them figuring that out. I mean I'm guessing they figure it out because at least my theory is that Trask was using government funds to create that because he talks about how he was working with Shield originally oh, right, and right. then defected from Shield and all of that was like black ops secret money you know no this happened in x-men the animated series in the opening yep. series too where yep. the president didn't know about the sentinel program yep. and she's like she found she looked at it she's like where's this money going and she found out about the robots and she goes shut this shit down right the fuck now what the fuck are you even doing yeah like, yeah i mean that was sort of what i pictured it being in this as well right, even though they don't show like, it if you're the president of a country like i think this happens a lot i know, I know that we we blame things on like quote unquote the government but it's like it depends on which facet of the government we're even looking at because depending on what department you're in you can in, also hide money in different weird right. places and like, and also like, like the, just because you're the president doesn't mean you're seeing everything that the government's actually doing and it that i that i know just from being in a position of power before where i you know like when i ran kineticon for years and years and years right yeah and that wasn't an entire country and it was still like yeah you have to delegate to people you can't be in every single room at the same time we had like 35 at least 35 different departments that would have like a staff of i don't know 10 to 20 people each yeah and like they would do shit that they wouldn't tell us about and then like later on we'd find out about it even though we would check in and that's probably what happened here is that they when this mutant thing happened the president was like okay hold on let's look at the sentinel thing because there are people just screaming on tv now and that's not good <laughs> yeah also the president this looks like george bush but it's like a liberal version of george bush and yeah, it's he, very strange i think you're right that it's sort of a cross between clinton and bush like that was your what your speculation was on the last episode and i i feel yeah. like that's probably true because they're sort of trying to mimic the x-men tas president where she was kind of liberal as well and like obviously shut down the trask thing um, right. So they're they're kind of mimicking that where it's like, yeah, we have like this nominally Democratic president, but like a very conservative backlash happening at the same time, like among other. Right. Exactly. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. But this this all ends because Rogue drives it on the motorcycle and she stops and Logan, for some reason, like flies a thousand feet off the, the fucking motorcycle, crashes into the 
TV they made. And Rogue's like, I told you to hang on. And he's like, rawr, rawr. And it's like, Logan, dude, I don't even know like why you couldn't hang on to the motorcycle. Rogue's driving it just fine. Like, yeah. what are you doing? I don't it's know. Like, he's destroying Bobby's perfectly good TV setup for no reason. Honestly, I feel like it's Logan. He just dramatically pur- purposely flung him off the motorcycle because that's just the kind of shit he does. It's like he's always jumping off his bike. I know. And he's a drama queen for the entire rest of the episode. So that's clearly <laughs> I mean, really the mood is. that he's in. Like, Gene is like, what happened? And Logan's like, military choppers. And it's like, everyone is about to die. Like, that is what is about to happen. Well, next. I mean, that is that is actually everyone is terrified because the military choppers do show up and then they speak in a loudspeaker and they're like, first they go, that cave is crawling with muties. So they don't even see them as human anymore. Yeah, I think this is the first time that we hear the, the slur muties, which is like a specific mutant specific slur that I think Chris Claremont invented. I think he did. But also, I want to point out that it's only been like a few episodes that everybody was outed in. It was at the end of season two, and it's been a few episodes in, and the trajectory and storytelling they used to get to the point where they recognize that mutants are around and that they were going to be prejudice towards them and also use slur like muty yeah it took like six hours <laughs> it took less than that because these episodes are half an hour long and then there's first class which like did it so badly yeah. it was done so poorly and it's like but then i'm watching this show which did it in less time in a far more believable way mm-hmm. so like that that my biggest complaint about first class well one of the complaints i had about first class was that they just start hammered on the mutant metaphor without building up to the mutant metaphor yeah and as this show has proved, you can build it up if tell, if the story is told correctly. And in this, they did it because they spent the time building that fear to the public first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think the muty slur is like kind of a corny thing in X-Men just generally. It's like kind of weird. But like, sure. I do feel like everything else about the metaphor here is fine. I think it's completely believable that the military would come up with a nickname like that. Like that seems logical. That's what humans do. And you have to dehumanize your opponent in order to convince yourself it's okay to kill them. I mean, that's basically how the training works. It's very fucked up. But anyway. Okay, so now Logan's like, all right, we've got a fight on our hands. And he goes, snicked. And Cyclops is like, uh, no, we don't. And Logan's like, what the fuck are you saying to me, bitch? <laughs> and the military is like, the military then speaks them on the speaker. And they're like, attention, mutants. This will be your only warning. Surrender peacefully or we will take action. And that's when Logan's like, he does the same thing that all the other other adults on the show are, are saying, where he goes, you hear that? They're getting ready to attack. And Cyclops is like, but they don't even know what they're getting into. They don't understand what we are. Yeah, like they the humans don't understand that like if they attack the X-Men, they could instantly die. Like the X-Men have the ability to kill humans in a second. And right, Scott right. knows that. Scott knows what they have on their side. So he yells Iceman and Bobby leaps forward and somehow knows what Scott is telling him to do and builds a huge ice wall uh, against the cave, which basically just buys them some time. But it only buys them about two seconds because the military starts shooting missiles at the ice wall like instantly. Right. And then Logan and Scott have this little conversation. Oh, yeah. Logan's like, listen, kid. And Scott's like, no, we're the X-Men Wolverine. We're not kids anymore, which honestly, fair point, Scott, like all this fucking crazy shit just happened. Yeah. The the time of them going to high school and worry about who's dating who and who's going to fuck after the school dance is now over. That time's over. Like there's nothing left there on the run. Mm -hmm. So Scott's like, you trained us and you know something? We're good. And so then Scott blows a bunch of the torpedoes up with his eye beams and he comes back. And he says, we're very good, which I actually kind of like that. I like that. It's Logan turns around. And he goes, let me get this straight. You're defying me. And by the way, their faces are getting closer and closer and closer to the point where I'm like, OK, again, Logan should have been younger because now they're about 
to kiss and like <laughs> i thought they were close already but they keep on getting closer as this conversation continues and i was like oh my god like what yeah. what's happening yeah uh, so then then scott says any one of us could smack down those helicopters but we're supposed to be the heroes not thugs and logan's like if they're after us then they're the enemy which is like this is like Logan's past trauma from being in a thousand wars coming up and also being like this closeted gay mutant mm -hmm. coming up because I mean, like Storm said something similar at the end of the last episode where she said that now that they knew that they existed, that they were going to try and kill them. Yeah. And she's like, unless they figure out we're the good guys, which like we may not be able to do. Right. And then also somebody said something about how everybody's trying to kill them. And Mystique was like, well, that's just how life is now. Get used to it. Yep. That has been the general reaction from the adults in this where they're like, oh, well, now that they know we're gay, they're going to do everything they can do to completely destroy us or any rights that we have. Yeah. Although Logan's comeback to that is to basically be like, we need to kill the humans before they kill us. And Scott is basically like, no. Logan's thing is a little bit more complicated than any of those other yeah. characters because he's been in so many wars and so his i mean he's a little blinded like it goes back to what i just said about the military where they're told to do something and they go do it so they're being told to go kill the enemies then they just go do it and then eventually logan defected from all that and like logan at this point has been so traumatized that like anybody trying to kill him is gonna be somebody he's gonna fight back on because mm -hmm. i think logan has that's just what happens to him on a regular basis now. So Yeah, and I also feel like there's a part of it that makes sense. Like, yeah, they are trying to kill you and in self-defense, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, I I know. I feel like that's part of why this is an interesting conversation because Scott is basically taking the Xavier line, the respectability line, where he's like, they think we're evil, we shouldn't prove them right. And Logan is like, uh, we need to defend ourselves and they're trying to kill us, which means we have the right to kill them. Honestly, in this particular situation, because I don't always, always disagree with Scott, but I'm, in this particular situation, in this cave, I'm on both of their sides. Me too. And I thought it was interesting. And I, I don't even know what the right answer even is. I know. I know. I feel like there isn't a right answer. Like they're between a rock and a hard place. And like Logan kind of points that out and he's like, what are you going to do? Run? And Scott goes, yeah, if the professor were here, that's what he'd have us do, which I think that is true. I think that's true. I think that is true. I just wish he didn't say that line. It's like Scott is obsessing about Professor Xavier <laughs> in this whole episode. Like they're like fighting Junkyard. He's like, where's the professor? And I'm like, know. oh my God, Scott, like literally nobody else is asking this except for you. He can't let it go. He can't let it go. He can't. So, so then, so then Logan says, fuck you. I'm on my own. He gets onto his motorcycle and just leaves. Yep. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Thanks Logan. Logan is the only adult in the room and he basically acts like a child here and just abandons all of these teenagers by driving off on his motorcycle. And like everybody just kind of stares at it. Nobody is even acting like that's the craziest thing happening right now because they're like... It's not because Logan constantly abandons them. Like they're used to that shit from him. <laughs> even in like the any iteration of the X-Men, even that fucking Sabretooth and Wolverine book like where they did a surprise party and he got dramatic and drove off into the woods. I like know. this I know. is just what he does as a person. I know. Anyway. I know. He can't handle responsibilities. So yeah. Right. I love this whole scene, by the way, where the military shoots torpedoes at them and Spike, he, you know, spikes some of them down. Gene blocks them with a barrier of her mind. I love this scene where Curdy and Kit, Curdy and Kit, oh my God, Kurt and Kitty teleport into the helicopter and Kurt goes, hi, I'm Nightcrawler and this is Shadowcat. And Kitty goes, and this is your weapon system. And she sticks her hand into the weapon system, which obviously destroys it because that's what happens when Kitty interacts with technology. Mm -hmm. And Kitty and Kurt just go, 
Bye. <laughs> and they bamf away, and it was freaking adorable and hilarious. It's like they, oh my god, I love those two. Yeah, I love them with all my heart. <laughs> it's amazing, and like Jean uses her powers to like float some helicopters to the ground and like bend their blades upward so they can't take off again. And then the velocity flies away, and we see a shot of Logan driving away on his bike by himself as well. So like we right. know everybody exactly. got away without dying. Okay, cool, right. cool, cool. That was actually pretty. It was a pretty cool scene. It was. Uh, so then the reporters are now following police cars being like, uh, do you think there's a mutant out here? And then they, a police car gets thrown at them and they see like 20 destroyed police cars as Juggernaut's just like stomping away. And yeah. that's that's the whole scene. Yep. That's the whole and scene. And it's like, oh, I guess there is a mutant here. And I guess he destroyed a bunch of police cars. Oh, except for that one cop who's like, call in the army or give us like military gear, whichever comes yep. first. That's basically what happens yeah. here. Now back to the debate. God. Okay. So then the congressman is addressing everybody and he's like, look at the evidence, a wake of destruction. You're to blame. Well, hold on. He says that specifically to Storm. Yeah. He said he points at Storm and says, you are to blame. And as a black woman and a mutant that may potentially be queer, she has this look on her face where she's like, I'm going to summon lightning into this room. I'm going to kill every fucking person here. Like <laughs> that is the face she has. And then Beast calmly places his hand on her shoulder, on her shoulder. And she's, I mean, she looks pissed. Because he's like, okay, no, you can't kill them. That's not going to help right now. I know you want to, but you cannot do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't believe that Storm would have actually lost her cool in that I don't moment. Either, but, but like, I, but like, I, I do like that Beast was there for her emotionally. They in that are moment. they are essentially under emotional attack by even being here. Like they're very vulnerable. They're the only two mutants in the room. They're in the center oh, right. of the room. They're surrounded by enemies i mean like that is what happens in a second like b says we're people mr chairman not monsters regardless of what we can do or what we may look like i i that's the i clapped for hank there because it took him all season two to get to that i know that statement that he just made and to say it to a bunch of strangers on tv like he went from somebody that wanted to like kill himself because he hated himself so much and now he's like He's accepted who he is through these children who's taught him that it's okay. And now he's taking what the children taught him and he's trying to protect the children from actual society. I loved that. I mean, that's more how I read it where I'm like, it almost doesn't matter if Beast truly believes this for himself. Like he sees the importance of saying it and fighting for it. And that's all that really matters. Like he knows that he has to keep fighting. Right. Even if he doesn't personally believe it because it it matters to the kids, you know, like they're the ones who are going to die if he doesn't win this. It's important that he's saying this and he, he's wearing glasses during this, which he takes off and like cleans while he's saying it to make him look. It's not like he needs to wear glasses and do that i think he's doing that to show the chairman that he is a human being that has a brain he's like look i'm wearing my glasses i'm rubbing them off i'm telling you a sentence like i could not appear any more human with the way that i'm acting right Mm -hmm. now and calm yeah but it doesn't work because the the chairman just goes you are atrocities and then there's this moment where like everyone else in the room looks scared and angry at them and it's like wow they are surrounded by humans who want to kill them right now and it's It's like really awful yeah. And then and then like they pull up this monitor. They're like, here's footage from the juggernaut right now on the news killing cops. Yeah. Like that's what's happening. And we see Juggernaut, he's just destroying a dam now. And he's like, he's knocked out the power to the city. Yep. And like he's just destroying shit. And the chairman goes, Not dangerous, Mr. McCoy. Tell that to the three hundred thousand people living below that dam. Like that again is instilling that fear. Yeah. In people where it's like, yeah, 
all those innocent humans are going to die because you're a terrible person, Mr. McCoy. And also all of you are like, this is a completely different yeah. mutant who's doing this right now. And they're like, it, this is your fault. Beast and storm. I don't even know. Like the Juggernaut's trying to leave. As far as I can tell, they keep on trying to shoot him and shit. And he's just trying to get away. I don't see him walking towards the cops. I see him leaving. Like there's a shot of him climbing up some rocks. Like he's just being Lara Croft for a little while. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> what? I don't know why he's destroying the dam. Like at this point, it's like he He's just been pushed to do it. Like he's been radicalized by being attacked, essentially. I don't think he's trying to intentionally destroy the dam. I think he's ripping pieces off to throw at the people, like the cops and the military who's shooting at him. Like he's just trying to fucking leave. He's been trying to leave for like 20 minutes. That is all that's been happening. <laughs> I know he's just trying to live his goddamn life. Like he picks up a tank at one point, which by the way, there's a fucking tank rolling through the streets and they're upset that Juggernaut is putting people in danger. But anyway, <laughs> Juggernaut picks up this huge tank and he throws it out of the way and it hits a power line and that causes a blackout in the city below the dam. Right. And then Juggernaut climbs into the dam and he's picking up pieces of the dam and throwing it at helicopters so like is he intentionally trying to destroy the dam unclear i don't honestly. think he is unclear. i mean like here's the thing about k marco is that like he he's like wolverine in the sense where he's got brute strength but like he's not a planner <laughs> logan's a lo logan's a little smarter but juggernaut just was like like that's been the whole thing between him and xavier right is that xavier is like oh i've got like the super brain and you're like the brute strength like that is the supposed that's supposed to be the parallel between except them. that xavier says it in a far more condescending way because it's xavier and he's like um you're dumb and not everybody can be as smart as i, I am. know i agree <laughs> with that i don't think i don't actually think that kane is dumb i think that he's just very simple and like the idea that he was just sitting on a train going to nowhere not really like no purpose he's like he's like whatever i think i think like he's, he's not even wearing his helmet in that scene when he's sitting on the train he's just straight up chilling no i think he's just kind of i think he just because here's the thing that in the comic books like even like i know that he's been like a recurring villain but that has changed over the past 30 years he often he's worked with like teenage mutants and saved them and he's like listen i don't really understand a lot of shit in the world but like get to safety please like that is like that's juggernaut like he's just like he, he's like he's robbing banks taking his money and so he could just like go wander the world I mean, like that's he's fine just with a me. free soul that's who he is <laughs> yeah so anyway so they won't leave him alone and yeah. so now the news is watching that but it's not april o'neill because april o'neill would be sabotaging the news if she could mm -hmm. and then we go back to the velocity and gene yes. sees the juggernaut down below and is like it's the juggernaut he's loose and kitty's like and without the professor dot 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 and it's like oh right we usually use professor xavier to just mind wipe the juggernaut and throw him in a box for the rest of his life because that's how <laughs> we beat the juggernaut here we don't actually let him live his life like a human oh my god we just mind wipe him and throw him in a box um and so kurt is like there's no way to stop him and then there's like a zoom in on scott's face who clearly has absolutely no idea what to do and we we don't we don't get to gene asking if they're going to get involved until we right. see more juggernaut footage for a second. Well, which it's, it's more of the same shit. And yep. the news reporter basically has a line that's something along the lines of it seems like this mutant is going to just kill everybody. Yep. So mutants want to kill everyone. That's the point of that. And that's when Gene's like, um, what should we do, Scott? <laughs> like any ideas? Like you're driving the plane. If you're not going to lead, I'm going to. So what would the professor do? And Scott goes, it's the Sentinel disaster all over again. They'll blame us if we get involved. And Jean's like, okay, what would the professor do? I and know. honestly, I don't know what Xavier would have them do in this situation. But I mean, Xavier wouldn't have them engage. I don't, I don't think. think so either. But like 
for whatever reason that like, works. Stay in the closet. Just stay in the closet. Yeah. Everyone stay in the closet with my guns. It's okay. <laughs> Although it is Juggernaut, so Xavier probably would try to stop Juggernaut at least, but That's I don't true. know. He would come up because it would be like this petty thing because like, you know, Xavier, it's like between Juggernaut and Magneto, it's like, uh-oh, these people I'm supposed to care about better brainwash them or make them relive their greatest traumas. Yeah, Let's go. Like he has a couple exceptions of like he's willing to use his powers publicly to destroy his ex and his brother and that's yep. that's one of these two people Petty here asshole. so scott flies the plane back over to the dam so they can fight juggernaut yep juggernaut is still fighting he picks up a helicopter and throws it and kurt bamps inside to save the two soldiers who were inside the helicopter and bamps them over in front of the live news broadcast and like waves merrily at the camera so that they can see a blue guy saving people which i thought was clever right. i was like okay kurt Good idea. Yeah. Good idea. I mean, it's, this is Kurt. I like how it, he uh, operates in the comic books, too. Yeah. Th- this whole scene, there's actually a really great fight scene where Gene then lifts up the Juggernaut with her powers and Scott shoots him into part of the dam that Bobby has turned into ice. So now the Juggernaut slips and falls. And then Evans starts shooting Spikes at Juggernaut to distract him. And the Juggernaut, like, jumps after Spike. By the way, Spike jumps away from him and he lands, like, five stories below him and is does not get hurt. So I just have to assume that Spike has some additional mutant power. That, yeah, like makes him kind of jumpy. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so then he shoots these spikes up at this machine that the Juggernaut has landed on, which electrocutes him. And Bobby makes another ice slide. Which causes him to fall down this dam and then Kitty grabs the Juggernaut and phases him into the dam. Uh, meanwhile, Jean is using her powers to plug the hole of the dam while Iceman freezes it over mm-hmm. and all i could think in my head is like how is this not the start of the phoenix saga <laughs> <laughs> i know because Jean is using her powers a lot and it's super badass and cool and she's doing it in front of water like in a dam like this is like the gene gray story right here mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. so then kurt bamps over to the juggernaut who is halfway phased through part of the dam so he can't get out at least for now and kurt bamps around and quickly unclasps the helmet fasteners um and right after he does that juggernaut grabs him and throws him at gene yep and then Juggernaut smashes his way out of the wall and climbs up the dam. There's some really cool music here, by the way, for the Juggernaut. They play like a bunch of like gritty guitar power chords. I just liked the the sounds that they Rangers. were giving for him. Yep. And then Juggernaut leaps in front of Bobby and Rogan Evan, who like fall over. And Juggernaut goes, "What are you trying to do? Embarrass me to death?" Which is like a funny line. Um, and then Scott uses his eye beams to shoot Juggernaut's helmet off, which. Why do they need to get rid of his helmet? Because like Xavier's not there to mind wipe him. Oh no! So. I think th- I think they all went in with the intention, knowing that Rogue would be able to touch him. I think they figured that out. Okay. I think they were like, if we can get to his head, well, I guess they could have touched his arm too. There, there might have been a couple of ways to do this, but yeah, I think they, I think they knew that they had a, col- a couple options. Either Jean could try doing it with her mind, or Rogue would touch him. Mm-hmm. Like they had a couple of ideas. Yeah. Anyway, so then. Sonny's blasting Juggernaut's helmet off and he keeps blasting him and Juggernaut goes, you think that fancy little visor is going to stop me? Nothing is going to stop me. I raw power. And I shit you not, the thing that Scott then says word for word is, yeah, you want a raw tough guy? Then take it raw. And I was like, okay, I'm not even making that up. He actually said that. I like, know. I know. It was a I was weird like, line. Okie I... <laughs> This is getting gay. Uh, Scott then takes off his visor and gives it to him raw. Yeah, that's how, that's gives what it happens. to him raw. Also, it doesn't work, by the way. 
Also, Scott, like, almost blow- he ki- almost kills the news reporters and also blows up more of the dam. And I'm like, I don't know how that was a plan, Scott. Yeah, it's a terrible plan. So, like, Scott's I-beams, like, raw style is just exploding absolutely everything except the juggernaut who's just walking slowly towards it and then grabs Scott's face eventually once he reaches Scott. And there's, like, some shots of, like, the X-Men looking really scared. Well, yeah, because it looks like he's going to just crush Scott's head. And he that's could. when, like, everybody starts attacking him. And, you know, he's kind of batting them away like they're a bunch of gnats or flies or whatever. He's like, get away from me, mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. But then Kitty phases up behind them with Rogue. Yep. A Rogue jumps on top of the Juggernaut and holds onto the Juggernaut for like an absurdly long time. Yeah, she just clings on with like her legs around his neck, like holding his face with her bare hands, trying to suck up his powers. But he's so powerful that she has to keep holding on, keep holding on until he finally collapses. I feel like that this was going to be down the line sort of like their version of Captain Marvel. But who knows? Because Captain America and Nick Fury are here. So I guess anything could happen, right? Yeah, I don't know what they were going to do. But um, well, because here's the thing is that what what we get in exchange for this. Well, first, Kurt teleports Scott to safety. Yep. But then Juggernaut goes to punch Rogue and Rogue stops him because now she's got his super strength. Mm-hmm. And we get to see this really awesome fight scene between Rogue and the Juggernaut. And what what is important to mention here is that throughout the remaining season and a half that we still have of X-Men Evolution, this power, this specific power keeps on coming back whenever Rogue loses control. Yeah. So, like, that's really interesting. Clearly, she sucked in a lot of his power. Well, I, that's why I think that this was going to be set up for her eventually to tap into that and be like, oh, I have super strength all the time. Mm-hmm. But this is like one of those moments that we were all waiting for. We're like, yes, give us like, this is what the movies did not give us was Rogue with super with strength. With super strength. I know. It's so satisfying to see her literally lift the juggernaut over her head and throw him down in the river. Bobby encases him in ice so that he, like, actually plummets into the river and then he just makes tracks like he just leaves juggernaut doesn't keep juggernaut just wanted to leave all along he doesn't <laughs> give a shit he just wanted to leave like i think the only reason <laughs> he was fighting them is because he knows they're xavier's kids which he actually mentions at the very beginning when he sees them he's like oh papa's not here to save you again they're they're attacking they're him attacking him point. he hates xavier he knows that like xavier's the one behind all of their training like how can you blame him i don't know whatever i don't know juggernaut don't know. was so right then- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, along with Magneto. Yeah. So now, now the chairman's like watching this back at the debate, and yes. he's like, "Uh, what the fuck just happened?" And Storm's like, "They were trained to do this to use their powers for good." Yeah, and that sort of concludes that particular debate. I mean, basically, it's the lesson that all these super powered media pieces of media have to eventually teach, which is like, if you have a super powered villain, you have to stop it with a super powered hero. That's how yep. that works. And you may as well accept it because yeah. that's the only way. Like only Rogue could defeat Juggernaut, you know? Like the army couldn't do shit. I feel like I feel like even in the MCU, like we have that setup where like we had Civil War, which was mm-hmm. again caused by Wanda, who is a mutant. Yep. Yep. <laughs> where like it was like they're like, Yeah, we're cool with the Avengers having like all these resources to fight aliens and shit. But if one of them goes haywire by accident, uh oh, that too bad for the Avengers, gotta lock them up. Like yeah. that is which is something that I think is important for the MCU because I think it does kind of place this common idea that like if you have superpowers and you don't use them correctly, like the government and the world is just going to shut you down. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's almost what happens here, although they haven't had enough experience yet with superpowered people to really know they how don't. to deal with like, it. The world is still reacting to this. I, I just cannot not think about the MCU watching this show. Of course. Because I feel like, I mean, they don't need to do it exactly like this, but the setup is here. Like, they just need to pull from the show. They have a lot of options here, for sure. So then the helicopters are looking for Juggernaut. They can't find him. 
Kurt is like, should we go hunt him down? And Scott is like, no, he's probably long gone because he didn't even want to fucking be here. So let's just go home. Which like, they they don't have anywhere to go. And Rogue faints in Scott's arms. Yep. And she's like, I'm okay, but I got a big piece of his mind. And and I know where the professor is, which is very useful, actually. And I it did not really expect useful. that to be the payoff of this plot line, but it makes a lot of sense plot-wise. I mean, it, I feel like the plot is actually pretty well sewn together it for is. this episode. It really is. So now they go back to Juggernauts holding vial his tube that they keep a memo or whatever. Yeah. And there's like a security guard typing away with all the X-Men standing there. And he goes, how the fuck did someone get Juggernaut out and Xavier in under our nose? And Rogue goes, that's Mystique for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is the moment where I was like, the only way that Mystique could have pulled this off was Agatha Harkness. Like, Oh yeah. And maybe oh, yeah. Wanda. Like that's the only way. I mean, Wanda Or Irene. I mean, like there's like cuz Irene could be like don't go into this room. This is how this is going to work. Yeah, like Mystique has some resources that are like off-screen and I sort of wondered if maybe Agatha was responsible for whatever uh brain blocking thing that Mystique was using so that Jane couldn't read her mind cuz remember that? Like oh, yeah. I don't think they're ever going to bother to explain that. Maybe they do later. What Mystique's thing? It's part it, they actually do later. It's okay. because I don't know what episode it's in, but the, when remember when Mystique was thrown into that tube in season one? Yes, that was my other idea, was that now she's just leveled up her powers so she can do more. Well, she has. So now she's blocked from Xavier. So, I mean... Very lucky. It's like there's two things that tube did. It turned you into a hot gay boy for Magneto, and it also gave you the ability to block out your thoughts from Xavier. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Okay, so they release Professor Xavier, and he falls dramatically into Cyclops's arms and cyclops is like we're here daddy we're here also logan comes back logan walks in he tells cyclops that he's done a good job that is there i don't know where logan's been this whole time yeah i mean logan has just been pouting in the woods this entire time like i don't even know also like is this the same base that captain america is being kept in because i think it might be yeah because like logan just walks in right like he's like oh yeah i've got connections here the yeah. person who runs shield yeah i blow him on the weekends anyway <laughs> yeah. okay so yeah, now we get, go from that from from uh cyclops cradling professor and the president is here and he's giving a speech to everybody yes on television to, to the entire country and the president goes my fellow americans all my fellow americans human and mutant I stand before you now to clear the X-Men of all wrongdoing in the giant Sentinel robot disaster. And then we see like a quick cut to Trask getting put in jail, which is like, okay, I guess the president actually investigated this and was like, whoopsie doodle. Um, Trask was responsible for this shit. He's like, yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And so then the president goes, the real criminal suspect behind the Sentinel weapon has been arrested and charged. This has caught us all by surprise, but that isn't any reason for any of us to judge people solely by their differences. To put it as simply as I can, we need to learn more. And then we see a shot of Xavier and the rest of the X-Men standing outside the rubble of the mansion. And the president continues, we need to be open-minded and we need to give this mutant question more time. And then we go back to the newscaster who's like, there you have it. The president's position that the mutant population should be free from persecution. But will it work? That remains to be seen. And then we get to see Magneto. Magneto. Well, okay, the so there's actually, there's, uh, basically there's two opposing shots here during this uh, yes. particular speech. The first one is Xavier with the camera spinning around the remains of the X-Mansion and all the X-Men are there and the new mutants. Like they, he looks like, I mean, like Xavier does look sad, but also yes. like calculating, <laughs> but like all the X-Men are here. And what I thought, what actually got to me a little bit is that Boom Boom is here in her costume. Yeah. Interesting. Like this has gotten like so bad for them that Boom Boom's like, yeah, even I've got to be with my people now. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the level we're now at. But it is like a sad shot to see the X-Mansion blown up like that, even though it was covered in guns. Yeah. The other shot is Magneto with the alkaloids and yeah. they're watching the scene. And 
what I find very interesting here is that this is a really, really cool animation that like that line of the president's statement saying that mutants should be free from persecution, but will it work? That remains to be seen. Pietro smiles. He looks really, really happy. Like, look, we did it. And he looks over to Magneto like, look, dad, we did it. We did it. And Magneto glares at that TV. And Mm -hmm. it's like, what I find really interesting about that is that even in that moment, Pietro is still like trying to get Magneto's approval, being like, "Look, Daddy, we did it. We did the thing you wanted. Good on us, right?" And yeah, like, but it's like Magneto that's still not... is not budging. Like, yeah, because honestly, now this is the version of the, or the part of Magneto that is right on this show is that like he's not wrong to assume that like this is just going to stop. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like he knows that this isn't going to last, and like this is just empty words, right? And Pietro is too young not to know. Yeah, Pietro like, still has hope, and like like a lot of teenagers, like you know, when Obama was elected, and we were like, everything's going to be great from now on. Like it, it, like reminds me of that a little bit, like that naivety of like, yeah, bigoted people don't just go away, like they don't just disappear right. into the ether. And Magneto knows some of that. Them, like evolve into Karens. Yeah, some of them evolve into Karens and Trumps, and it's <laughs> not good. <laughs> No, it's not. Yeah. So anyway, Magneto knows that on some level. I mean, if we're if we're going to read this charitably, I feel like the uncharitable read is that Magneto's like, I'm just going to keep fucking shit up and like ruining everything because I don't think he does. I think that's it. Like, we don't really get to see that on this show because now from this point, there's two plots that are happening simultaneously here where it's like them being outed and trying to deal with the politics of that and the government and then also in the background like apocalypse i forgot about apocalypse so great magneto kind of gets sidelined there's like i know there's an episode later on where magneto has to work with them so like i feel like we're moving away from this idea that magneto is the enemy yeah i mean we've already been moving away from the idea that the brotherhood is the enemy like the brotherhood is like kind of good guys at this point or at least like productive guys there was no point in time where you and i specifically <laughs> felt like the brotherhood were the enemy I we were know. like kind of on their side we're like yeah we'd hate out to them with yeah. them they're pretty cool they, they seem like our people we were them in high school let's be real um but yeah it it's just interesting to like watch all those different alliances play out and like we know the gambit and rogue are gonna hook up at some point right i mean they gotta make that work out right exactly. and, like colossus and kitty like it's gonna be fine everybody's gonna be fine yeah it's actually in the next episode specifically okay that, yeah so the next episode Coloss- Colossus reveals that he doesn't even want to be working for Magneto. He just has to. Logan and Colossus are really gay in the next episode because Logan's like, just come home with me. I'll take care of you. Like, that's like a whole thing. that Adorable. Um, So the next episode is titled Mainstream, which is a fun title. And the plot of it is that the mutants actually go back to Bayville High, except now, of course, they're going to get shit because they've been outed as mutants. So like the fact that they're trying to go back to school is like, yeah, that's like, just oh a big my God. wow it's like it is really really good there's a speech that jane gives at, at the end of it that like that is just like the gay metaphor straight mm-hmm. up because they, they talk about like the x gene it's like your kid might actually turn out to be a mutant and you're gonna have to Fucking like deal protect with them, yeah. love them yeah. or deal with it like it's it's good it's gonna make you cry i'm just letting you know because it tears me up pretty much every time it's really really good it's a well-written episode cool i'm looking forward to it but until then i give this episode a five Ding, 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 ding. I give it a 10 out of 5. Ding, 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 ding. I thought it was awesome. I, it's going to be like this like all the way through the season 3. Season 3 is very mm. good. I mean, I thought se- season 2 I really liked also. But I think the parts about season 2 that I really enjoyed was just the relatability from when I was a teenager watching it at the yeah. time. And I was like, oh yeah, this is actually my actual life I right feel now. like the main thing I like about this episode is that Storm finally has some shit to do. I really like Storm and Beast's plotline in this. I liked how much responsibility they were allowed to have by the show and that it paid off and that they got to have these arguments. Right. And they are technically respectability arguments, 
but it happened concurrently with the X-Men deciding whether or not to use violence and when and how. And I thought that was a really interesting political argument that didn't have a right answer or a comfortable answer, which I thought was cool. Like having the adult characters be the ones who are like disagreeing and don't really know what to do. And the kid characters being like, we're going to have to figure this one out like on our own. It felt very realistic and cool and interesting to watch if you're a kid. So that's what's neat about it. Also, I mean, the part that I've, I've said before is that like the, the adults react in such a way where they're like, yeah, now everybody's going to kill us. That is the next thing. They're going to strip us of our rights and they're going to kill us. And it's like, that is what they've had to deal with. Then they're, they're two different generations. And like, I think that, yeah, even now in the real world, like, you know, they're, they're younger generation. They do think about these things because they, I feel like they do get up and fight like they do. But I also feel like they weren't alive for like how bad the struggles were. We weren't even alive for Stonewalls. Mm-hmm. Like, so like we were alive for like the eighties and the AIDS crisis, basically and going through that in the nineties response to that, where people were just getting kicked out of their homes. Mm-hmm. So like that was us. I actually feel like these days being queer can still go south, but I feel like the trans community actually has it a little bit more difficult and we got to be there for them in the same way that like we needed that help. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's still like any sort of non-normative gender behavior is vilified, right. which like that's queerness as a whole. And exactly. every queer that's person should see that as a threat because at the end of the day, like that's what it is, you know, like if, if somebody's gender performance is being policed, right. that's not even good for cis people, you know, like it's not good for anyone. Right. Exactly. And, and so my point being is that the kids in this episode, like they just don't know, they haven't seen what storm and Wolverine and mystique and Magneto and, and Xavier have been yeah. through and beast because like they, they're a totally different generation. And this is the generation where mutants are going to come out. Yep. Like it's going to be them that has to deal with that, which I mean, arguably was like, a lot of our generation and the one the couple before it where we were like figuring that out i think we were the we were the generation of teenagers that were like coming out when that was like a big thing mm-hmm. right because it was harder to do that in the 80s and 90s if you were gay you really had to like hide that shit yeah i know i know i mean that part of it is just it's the sad part of this episode but it's still also presented in a way that i think is digestible for kids right and it's also like these are kids who are watching it in a post 9 11 world and this is this is like an episode that is taking a very progressive view on that and it's just kind of like hey don't be an asshole don't be bigoted don't make your assumptions i mean you you already pointed out the xenophobia in this like they do i mean again i feel like they've been drawing a lot from 9 11 on the show because it had just happened Mm -hmm. i mean the whole scene with the sentinels crashing into the towers and people screaming and running away i was like i feel like that was intentional and at this point we weren't sure but watching this episode we're like no i think this actually is intentional i think it is and i think even the juggernaut stuff is sort of interesting from that lens because it's like he is assumed to be a terrorist simply by like being a big tall guy like an inhumanly tall mutant like that is how they figure out he's a mutant he stands up and they're like oh you're a mutant you know like right i mean that's just it i feel like all the perspectives we have gotten in this episode and honestly last episode with mystique i feel like all of them and then like very interesting for all these characters and they did this in 20 minutes i know right like that's phenomenal i know it's really cool it's really cool the show's good it turns out the show is actually amazing i think it rules and i also just wanted to shout out like the way that they use the news broadcasts and presidential announcements like it's very x-men tas storytelling mechanics which i think was always effective then and is still effective now like it's tough to get this much exposition and this much like political arguments into a show right um it's very different for this show to suddenly be doing something like a congressional hearing like again it's very x-men tas but like it is 
sort of pairing that with the kids in the cave with the tiny television set and like the sort of laugh line of them trying to figure out how to watch it together. Like it's, it's just sort of combining these two worlds of like the X-Men TAS world, the more serious adult world with this younger generation and managing to make it work yeah. with these storytelling techniques. In general, I do feel like the X-Men, because we grew up reading it, but I don't feel like we got into it when we were teenagers. Like I had read it as a kid and I had X-Men games because I really loved Wolverine. But like, in terms of the storytelling that's happening with the X-Men, it's just, it very much isn't for little children. Like, it isn't. Like, it's just, it's its very politically heavy in a way that other comic books are not. Mm-hmm. This is why the show ended up getting canceled, is that it refused to change what it was doing and refused to change the story it was telling, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I respect that. Yeah. So anyway, um, who's gay? <laughs> the I mean, there's a lot of moments of who's gay in the terms of like, they're all queer kids running for their lives. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I don't, it doesn't work because the ages are wrong, but like that weird sexual tension between who is going to be on top between Logan and Cyclops was definitely there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like part of why it's reads that way is because at this point they're just acting like X-Men TAS characters. Like they're acting like the, you know, 19 year old whatever beginning of x-men tas ages that they were right you know what i mean like it just it's we're just mapping on the the plot lines of the power struggles between scott and logan from that show and from the comics where it just that kind of power struggle always reads sort of homoerotic right and it does here as well like that's just kind of how it comes across um it's hard right. not to read that as well oh yeah and also there was that moment where Gene and Cyclops were about to kiss and Kirk got really jealous and put himself yeah. in between them. And he's like, excuse me. <laughs> uh, not that Cyclops and I blow each other, but uh, the, the TV is not working. And we're like, okay, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's probably the only other moment that's gay. Like there isn't really any other argument I could make that would actually work. I mean, like right now they don't have time right now. They're trying to run for their lives. It's kind of like, so this is a really funny relationship. I'm going to go to Resident Evil again, but I've, I've been playing Resident Evil Village right on my stream. And mm-hmm. if you aren't watching my stream, you should do that. But uh, some of our watchers were like, Resident Evil's for bisexuals and queer people, right? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not even the one saying this anymore. And <laughs> a bunch of straight dudes were even saying that Chris Redfield was gay. And we were talking about that on the stream. And they're like, well... What, what about Jill? What do you do? And I'm like, here's the deal. They may be gay or not, but these characters do not have time to worry about this right now. And that is what the X-Men are doing. They're like, yeah, we don't have time to worry about who's going to fuck who later because like we might be dead later. So let's mm-hmm. like focus on There's like on a that. zombie walking towards us right now. We need to just focus on this immediately. Yeah, exactly. Threat. So like the X-Men are at this point where they're like, yeah, the queerness happening here is that like we've been outed and now we have to like run for our lives. That is mm-hmm. the gayest thing happening, I guess. But like, that's not a fun that's not yeah. a fun gay metaphor to be walking down, you know? It's not. It's not. You know, it's not as fun as Logan or Scott fucking or Scott and Kurt fucking or Gene and Magma fucking. Like, it's not any yeah. of that right now. So Sadly, it's not. Although, I just want to give a quick shout out to Logan's outfit in this episode. That's all. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that is pretty gay. That was really gay. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. So that's been this episode. Um, Next week, we're watching Mainstream, episode three. Wait, hold on. Are you taking the break before or after this episode comes out? Uh, after this episode comes out, I have to take a week break. Okay, so apologies to our listeners. Uh, next week, we have to take off. It's my fault. I'm going camping for a week. It's I not need to fault. not look at a screen. Yeah, so <laughs> Ma- Maddie just covered E3 for like two weeks straight, and she has not taken a day off, so she's I taking a day off. I covered E3. I've been playing games for work and trying to beat games in time. I've been editing so many stories and I managed to keep up with this show and its release schedule throughout it all. And triple click. And triple click. And I am so tired, y'all. And I need a break. Um, And so I'm taking a week off and... I don't know what Ryan's going to do. He's probably going to be streaming more Resident Evil. I mean I, I, I mean, I have my vlog and the stream, yes, so like, yes. I, I will be well taken care of during that time. Yeah, so hopefully people will be able to appreciate, like we did just have our three-hour first-class episode and our, a two-hour reader mail and so on and so forth. So we've certainly been giving you some content lately. Um, yeah, I, if anything, Katie and I could drop a Warcraft Valley during that week. Yeah, that would be great. So people should definitely check out Warcraft Valley. We haven't shouted it out in a while, but it is a podcast. Well, I know, well, you know... It, <laughs> <laughs> we release that once a month versus this show, which is once a week. True, but it is a podcast where Ryan and Katie read old X-Men fan fiction and Gargoyles fan fiction that they wrote as kids and teenagers, and it is very graphic, very sexual, very oh, yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. Lots of crossover with Mutant Ages, the comic book, in terms of overall influences and style. Well, I, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, people can check that out, but let's get over to the plug section, shall we? Here I am, pluggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's been a while. I, I just I had to do it. I had to it, do it. It truly has been a while. Um, welcome back to the show, pluggy. Uh, oh, thank you. Oh my god, the voice. <laughs> what do you think about the website mutantages.com? Are you a fan? I don't know. He went into the other room. He said he saw Logan walk by, and now he's in the other room. So Great. I don't know. Watch out, Logan. <laughs> uh, yeah, Logan. This is Logan. He's like, oh no, the enemy's here, and he like falls down, and he's like, his clothes fall off, and the enemy didn't even do that part. Like looking behind himself, like, uh, isn't the enemy here? Hello. I think Logan's learned how to flirt via porn. I don't know. Yeah. He has. He has. Okay, anyway. Anyway, um, at themutantages.com, you can find all the different ways that you can contact us. Like, for example, our email address, themutantages at gmail.com. There's a link to our Discord server. And there is our voicemail inbox number, which is 1-508-319-1668. And last, but certainly not least, there is our P.O. Box number, which is P.O. Box 3344, Natick, Massachusetts, 01760. Natick, you've heard of it, from the Natick Mall. Um, <laughs> featured in mutant age just the comic book yes yeah featured uh, featured prominently in our extended universe natick massachusetts um so that is those are all the ways to contact us please do so of course we'll do another listener feedback episode in, in a few weeks we will announce that here so you'll know when it's coming but absolutely. until then we love getting your messages that's true and you, you can, can also, also go i was ahead. gonna say you can also jump in on our youtube channel at the mutant ages where we play every single video game that's x-men related Sometimes we create original videos. Sometimes I match up clips of this show with the actual animation from the cartoons. I don't know. We do all sorts of fun stuff over there. We do react yeah. to all the X-Men parodies. It's a good time. I have my own YouTube channel that's at Ryan Pagella. It's an adventure vlog. Pretty heavy on the theme parks. If you like <laughs> yeah. Disney, Six Flags, any of that stuff, I, that is pretty much what I do when I'm not doing this 
good time all around. I also have a Twitch channel, which I already shouted out earlier, where I've been playing all sorts of fun stuff. Uh, I will be playing the Avengers Wakanda expansion when that comes out. So we'll get back to that. I will probably play Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It will appear exactly the same as the Avengers story, but oh, probably more fun. Let's hope not. I think it's because it's a single player RPG, it's going to inherently be a better candidate for streaming because if you're not so. going to run into situations where you're like, I can't even beat this on my own. Right. Also, you're only playing a Star-Lord, right. which I feel like helps too because the difficulty of the Avengers game I mean, its greatest strength is that every hero feels different, but that's also its greatest fault and, like, frankly, not how they should design the game. So far, the so far the only character I even like playing as in that game is Kate Bishop because I feel like she's the only character that's been designed to work in that game. I mean, I don't necessarily agree, but I feel your pain. I, I just, yeah, I feel your pain. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so that's all the fun stuff you can check out. I usually post in our Discord if I'm going live. I created a new little section that said Ryan is streaming now, so it stopped clogging up all of our mutant gaming where we talk about video games. So, mm -hmm. you know, just join the Discord. There's uh, There's been a lot of people joining lately, so this is the time, if I'd say that. You can also follow uh, the Mutant Ages on all of our social media, which is Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, TikTok. Follow us on those places. I'm at Ryan Pagella on Twitter. I'm at Ryan.Pagella on Instagram. Maddie also exists on the internet, surprisingly. I do. I do exist on the internet. I am at Mitty Myers on all of those places. And while I'm already talking, let me explain to you how you could go about supporting this wonderful podcast and also Warcraft Valley while you're at it. So we have a store where you can buy Bishop saying time travel is real on a t-shirt, on a bag, on a mask. If you're still wearing masks, shout out power to you if you are. Um, and you can also buy the Mutant Ages logo on all of those things. And we have a Patreon where you can become a subscriber, get access to bonus content, bonus podcast episodes, bonus behind the scenes footage and like pictures of us as teenagers dressed up as the X-Men. And that is at patreon.com slash the mutant ages. Our right. highest tier Patreon supporters get a shout out on the show. I'm not sure. There's no, I guess you have to be the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> no, I feel like we're just going to get a regular shout out today to Brock, Samuel B, Sorum B, and Zach S for being our top tier supporters today. This is kind of too dark of an episode to do something that's like really crazy. I could do juggernaut, but I've already done that. So, you know, yeah. thank you for supporting the show. This is us as other people well, i was gonna say other queer people but i can't assume that everyone who listens to the show is queer so i'm not gonna do that well, i mean we have made that assumption in the past but we have a couple of straight listeners so well you know. yeah so so let's put it this way everybody that's part of this community together we're all in this together thank you for yeah. being our supporters and that it's really helping us out right now uh in continuing to make this show it is super helping us out we really really appreciate the people who can afford to support us financially they are just so 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 helpful to us but also the folks who can't afford to we totally get it we do hope though that you will consider leaving us an itunes review apple Podcasts review whatever the heck it's called now and also share Alrighty. the show on your social media and let your friends know that you like it um i give five stars <laughs> okay thanks floggy thanks floggy oh my god okay i like how pluggy's across the room now anyway yeah he's in the other room with logan to be like screaming shit about logan's asshole and i'm like dude i'm not i'm working <laughs> <laughs> go find mr sinister pluggy um anyway the show's over so you can go rescue logan um, i'm prepping logan for you okay thank you pluggy thank you very much i would much rather if cloaky were here <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least cloaky knows when to shut up does um, he anyway we'll see you next time see you next time the